Yes, Namaste to all, especially to people logging on in the middle of the night from Europe. Very nice. And um, what um, you know? What we will do today is uh, I will give an introduction of this Upanishad. It definitely needs one <laughs> because, um, as you will see, it has it is it is replete with a number of uh, features. Uh, which make it both uh, worthy of study and uh, also make it challenging uh, to deal with if one doesn't know how to handle the this particular Upanishad. So it is uh, first of all the name itself is uh, uh, you know has got many many versions. So it is called. Maitra, I mean its full name, Maitrayaniya Brahmana Upanishad. Yesterday we saw the etymology of Upanishad. Upa, that knowledge which is the closest to you, which is of yourself, the self. And Ni, that which delivers definitely. Shad, how does it deliver? By destroying, uprooting. All the things that one doesn't want, seeking, uh, relentlessly, unhappy, upset, individual, the sorrow, the fear, it uproots, it removes, it dissipates, destroys uh, by repatriating one with Brahman, which is one's another name for that consciousness, which is unfettered and unassailed by any changes and that is known as Brahman, the meaning of the word I. And so we saw that. Now we can see that it has two more words here, Maitrayaniya Brahmana Upanishad. Maitrayaniya means belonging to Maitri. And Maitrayaniya therefore is the name of a recension of the Krishna Yajurveda, black Yajurveda. I mean, and then there is Shukla Yajurveda, white Yajurveda, two recensions. The Shukla Yajurveda is mostly followed in the north, and the black Yajurveda or the Krishna Yajurveda is more prevalent in the southern parts of India. And that's because the Vedas were kept orally by families and given from generation to generation. Now, the thing is that, you know, we don't have to, um, uh, from the modern contemporary standpoint, the white and black, we don't have to ascribe it any kind of a, uh, racial overtones. That's not what this is about. 
so uh, black simply means here that which is a um, you know that which is hard to understand without guidance and not that uh, all the other upanishads are easy to understand but here it is there is an element of something abhyakta hidden mysterious that requires probing into that's all it means you know it's like a collection of uh, prose or poetry that doesn't uh, immediately yield itself uh, to uh, meanings it has to be you know it has to be dug into it has to be contemplated upon in other words it is a it is a matter for serious study the white ajurveda veda is also a matter for serious study but it is got a different flair to it uh, you know where the meanings are a little perhaps a little more obvious this is one uh, you know this is one uh, understanding of why it is called white black etc now so the maitrayani maitri shakha is there maitrayana or maitri both names uh, you know both versions was the name of a sage who channeled this particular recension within the black yajurveda within the krishna yajurveda so maitrayaniya means that which belongs to the sage maitri or maitrayana and so and so that so this and brahmana means simply it is in the it is it is prose upanishad and uh, just like taitriya and also it means that it occurs in the brahmana portion of this of the yajurveda because you know there is uh, there are the the open the veda themselves is divided into aranyaka brahmana like this there are certain you know places so the brahmana simply means two things it is a prose upanishad number 1 and number 2 it is an upanishad that occurs in the in the middle of the veda rather than at the end of the veda which is the usual placement for all the upanishads so this is something we have to understand so the usual placement for all the upanishads is at the end of the veda which is why it is called vedantaha those which occur at the end of the vedas but this maitrayaniya upanishad occurs in the middle of the veda in the brahmana portion of the veda and also since it is you know the brahmana portion is 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 mostly prose rather than poetry the upanishad is also in a prosaic form as we saw yesterday you can't chant it there is no meter it just simply is a collection of sentences you know just like uh, some some parts of the taitiriya upanishad sometimes the taitiriya has mantras but some, most of the time it is prose you know and then um then you know the uh, we don't really get into this whole uh, dating business <laughs> and by dating business means it's a preoccupation with uh, mostly western scholars and what are the western scholars saying you know they are, what are they occupied with dating the upanishad which came earlier aitreya or aitareya and then they will try to look for certain similarities of language 
we will try to look for certain um, you know various things they will try to look for uh, expressions they will also try to look for whether the um, yeah, whether the uh, uh, you know uh, the object of adulation is a you know like the deities like vishnu shiva etc are modern uh, you know objects or whether they were ancient uh, you know deities such as indra uh, varuna agni etc so these are the criteria they the, the scholars especially sanskritists use to date the upanishads now for us it is not really important because we are not you know embarking on a on some kind of a scholarly endeavor to look into the upanishads to try to find to you know to to pin it to a certain date we're not interested in that you know and um, uh, we are not uh, you know uh, we are not interested in that because it's a distraction from from what it is trying to do the purport of the upanishad whether whether it's a quote unquote ancient upanishad or a quote unquote a little more modern upanishad the purpose is the same and what is the purpose same the purpose what is that same purpose that purpose is to destroy ignorance what kind of ignorance ignorance of the i of the self that is all its purport is the purpose of the upanishad is to destroy the ignorance that's all it is so same thing it's like you know uh, whether you eat some kind of an ancient food after finding out you know the uh, recipe from some vedic text like apupaha apupaha means a kind of a rice cake yeah the sanskrit word for cake birthday cake is apupaha apupa and so now you know you let's say you look at some ancient uh, texts and find out how to make apupa and then put your candles on the apupa and sing yourself some happy birthday and blow out those candles and then cut the apupa and eat the apupa it has the same significance and the same purpose as a chocolate cake or some other cake that you make from the modern recipe i mean it fills the hunger it uh, adds to the festivities and then that's all and it recognizes the it marks the uh, occasion that's all it does so really speaking we are not interested in you know whether it is apupa or compared to the apupa how does this modern cake you know stand that's not the point the point is to enjoy the apupa because it just is is enjoyable the point is to enjoy the cake because it is also enjoyable the point is not to start you know split hairs you know provided one has them you know the point is not to start splitting hairs about what came first what came next because it is a distraction it's a distraction and you know it is something that the mind gets very excited about and the mind runs in that direction 
and then what happens the, the yearning and the longing to know the truth of myself so i can drop this pain and sorrow is channeled into oh look at something interesting over here some scholars are saying this is uh, you know this is the contemporaneous with the madhukya and the prashna upanishad in fact the shadow of the prashna upanishad is on the maitri upanishad and you know all these things you know it just becomes another transference of that that uh, you know ancient yearning yeah the yearning is ancient so really speaking the solution is is also ancient but within that ancient solution you don't start you know um, talking about which is the most ancient you know it doesn't it doesn't matter really so we don't really we're not interested in this dating business and uh, now you know having said that however you know there, there is one point that I, a couple of points i'd like to make because it is uh, only because it is relevant here this upanishad the maitri upanishad is very popular not just among the vedantins but also among buddhists and among uh, Uh, the the people who are the proponents or the followers of the sankhya philosophy the sankhya philosophy that you know that states that there are many atmas <laughs> at least two atmas are there and there are many atmas and then the purusha and the prakriti are independent of each other there are so many other you know things so this is uh, so it, it there are certain passages you know which we will not be studying except for one uh, which lend themselves into the sankhya philosophy and uh, there you know there are certain passages which lend themselves quote unquote very easily to the buddhist philosophy because this upanishad also is perhaps the first one or i i even think the only one uh, to use the word shunya which which you know sends the buddhists who are uh, generally very you know stoical people um, very equanimous they have a lot of equanimity into a certain kind of an ecstasy when they hear the word shunya void yeah and we try to avoid this word void because <laughs> because of the problems therein because really you know there is no such thing called void what is void you know what is shunya shunya means empty zero what is zero zero means there is it is non existent so this whole word yat yat kinchit jagatyam jagat all this that is here is non existent the truth of this world is non existent and it sounds wonderful really how oh, that would be acha hai this is very nice it sounds wonderful and then it sounds wonderful why because you know we haven't thought over the logical costs of this statement the steep costs of this statement you know is dismissing yourself as non existent so if everything is non existent what about the observer of this so called shunya the non existent void what about the observer of the void and that is the questions the buddhists avoid because they don't know how to address this they have no idea how to address this are you existent or not they have to say yes 
they cannot say i am non existent because then if you are non existent why should i listen to you you are not talking you are not there simply so why should i enter into a dialogue with you if you are non existent and if you are non existent how can you make the statement that everything is shunya real but the upanishad has this word uses this word but we have to look at it in the context of what the purport is the purport is to not do not reveal non existent because non existence cannot be revealed you know only thing that can be revealed is to whom the non existent is obvious and that is the the one that is extant or existent so only to the existent one can non existence be you know understood or revealed yeah so therefore what so therefore this is something which is you know which is a frustrating uh, thing because it uh, you know it's, it's it's frustrating because if we don't look at it properly we end up in some kind of a you know funny uh, you know illogical stance from where we are caught and from where we don't have you know some recourse or escape plan but this this upanishad is used you know by the buddhists also for another reason because the teacher of this upanishad you know the upanishad has many teachers but one the the, the primary teacher of this upanishad is a um, sage by the name shakayanya yeah so immediately the you know the mind goes to buddha's disciple or buddha himself who was also known as shakya muni or something like that but this it, it is very clear from reading the upanishad that it has nothing to do with the buddha and this shakayanya the teacher that is being described is a completely different teacher and uh, you know uh, coming from the uh, what is that called line of shaka uh, you know the name of perhaps one of his ancestors or perhaps the guru's name doesn't matter so this is how you know um, we have to look at it so you know in other words this is one of the first interfaith upanishads and also intra faith upanishad in a way yeah because it's very easy to see certain you know things and then we like to see certain things and we like to pick on those because they agree with our philosophies which is why i cautioned yesterday about the inefficacy of uh, reading the upanishad because in the reading it's not just the eyes that are looking at the paper it's the mind that is very much engaged and the same ahankara that you know is attached to the body involved with the mind and the senses is is, is in overdrive trying to understand or trying to look at the philosophy in keeping with one's own raga and dveshas one's own prejudices and preferences and this is what happens when you know when uh, a lot of you know there is a lot involved uh, in in doing this and uh, like the bhagavad gita has lent itself you know um, seemingly to a number of uh, to a number of uh, what's its name you know um, to a number of uh, agenda like the freedom fighters of india lokmanya tilak etc they uh, looked at it 
from the standpoint of a karma shastra get up fight get up fight and who is this uh, you know who is being addressed here by lord krishna the sleeping population of india who needs to just fight and who needs to get up and who needs to throw off the yoke of the british colonial enterprise so this is this was used by the uh, a number of people and even sanyasis writing there is one uh, you know sanyasi who was a shankaracharya and who um, also wrote a, uh, not one of the major shankaracharyas one of the minor shankaracharyas who wrote a commentary on the bhagavad gita saying that this is to get up and fight and we have no problem with that okay it inspired people to gain independence it's wonderful but that however is not the purport of the bhagavad gita and again to have to celebrate an interfaith and intrafaith moment uh, you know with the help of this upanishad is not a big deal we can do that we can we can have that and you know um, so to speak uh live happily ever after and they, without any loss uh, to vedanta you know we can do that that's not an issue but the problem is this that you know the problem with that is if we don't recognize the purport of the upanishad then we get confused you know the purport of the upanishad is to is abheda vakya abheda vakya is maha vakya jiveshwara yoho aikyam that is the purport of the upanishad to show the oneness between the jiva jiva means one full of peeves piva the one who has all kinds of problems the one who has fears the one who is struggling the one who has transference the one who is always feeling a sense of lack centered on the self and the one who is always wanting something or the other and the one who is hating himself or herself for wanting all these things this is the one that is addressed and the one that is addressed is is shown that you are nothing but ishvara and who is this ishvara the opposite of the jiva complete total limitless non wanting contented you know that that is exactly the opposite but then why should i know i am ishvara because that is what i am wanting that is the universal longing and a timeless longing because the ignorant person in in ancient times you know when the aitre uh, upanishad was channeled is the same as the ignorant person in the modern times same thing it's the same ignorance it's not that the ignorance became more or became less or it has a different definition self ignorance is self ignorance you know it cannot have many varieties i mean you you you, you cannot say last uh, generation knew the self a little bit now we don't know it at all now we can't say that because the self that we are talking about does not lend itself to parts it's impartite and so you cannot say i knew half of the self in the last generation our uh, people knew that and now we know a quarter of the self no there is no quarter either you know it or not you know it's like saying that somebody is uh, uh, you know it's not like saying somebody is half full or three quarters full because the food of course you know lends itself into um, divisions of various bites and you know portion sizes 
But here, the self is free of portion sizes because there is nothing there. You cannot apportion uh, some kind of a division in the self. Because we are talking of that which is an undivided whole, which is the truth of oneself. And so really speaking, you know, even while we celebrate the, the interfaith and intrafaith, uh, whatever connections with this Upanishad, uh, with, the, with, the Buddhist, with the Buddhist philosophies and also with the uh, ancient um, whatever Sankhya philosophies, etc., various of various hues, we must not forget that the purpose of this Upanishad is the purpose of all Upanishads to untangle the heart knot. Yeah, that is the whole point. And as long as it does that, as long as it lives up to, to its definition of what an Upanishad is, then we are not interested in what else it does. That's not the, you know, the point again is neither to date it, nor to compare it with Buddhist philosophies or Sankhya philosophies. It's to understand its purport so that by the end of this month, we have some clarity, not so much into the Upanishad, but into the self. That is the idea. So that the Upanishad is a tool that is wielded to, what should I say, destroy the the stone wall of ignorance standing between myself and Ishvara that is inhibiting darshan. So it is an ayudha, it is a weapon. So if I start looking at the weapon and dating the weapon and then polishing the weapon and writing a PhD thesis on the weapon, then what happens? <laughs> then uh, uh, the, the, the purpose for it for which the weapon has been crafted is lost. Instead, the weapon lands up in a museum and everybody goes and looks at it and then say, you know, says, oh, how nice this is what, you know, was used in the ancient time. But this is a live weapon because it has been used many times and it can be used each time it is taught. And so we don't try to, you know, start uh, uh, writing a dissertation on the weapon. We are interested in wielding the weapon and allowing the weapon to destroy that wall that separates me from the source. That is what the whole purpose is, you know. And so, and then the next feature of this Upanishad is that it has a number of, uh, uh, what's the word for it? Not exactly quotations, but... Uh, obvious and not so obvious references to other Upanishads. And this is not surprising because this is a, you know, if Upanishad is quoting, where else it will quote from? It can't quote from secondary texts because they were not in existence. And so it has to quote from another primary text. So one Upanishad frequently quotes another Upanishad. And that's not, you know, uh, remarkable except in the Maitri Upanishad you know, a name by which it is also known. In the Maitri Upanishad, we have, you know, so many references, kind of quotations and references, obvious and not, not so obvious, especially to the Katha Upanishad and the Brihadar and Deka Upanishad. Some of them are kind of verbatim and some of them you have to dig a little bit and then the, um, what's his name, the quotations uh, become obvious and some of them, you know, are right there 
you know, in the face, so to speak. So it has a number of, uh, what's the word for it, citations, references, and uh, the message of this Upanishad is, uh, is heavily borrowed from the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad and the Katha Upanishad to a lesser extent from the Taittiriya Upanishad. In fact, the whole sections are like that. And now, you know, back to this question, another point about this Upanishad is that, you know, it, it, is, uh, uh, it is contested, the date is contested. And it is generally agreed now that it is much more ancient than what they thought because it has a number of quote-unquote, you know, interpolations or later editions as they say. And uh, some of the interpolations are more modern than what is the in the body of the Upanishad. And so the Maitragani Shakha, this recension, this branch itself has certain characteristics which are found in certain places of the Upanishad such as pronunciation of certain words etc. And some uh, grammatical quirks, some of the gra grammar is clearly pre-Paninian. So pre-Paninian means even before Panini and so that puts this Upanishad, you know, because we know the dates of Panini, so this puts, it, puts this Upanishad before Panini. And so therefore uh, we have, you know, we have certain portions that are ancient and certain portions that are uh, more recent. More recent doesn't mean yesterday, okay? Yeah, few <laughs> thousand years. Yeah, so we have more recent uh, uh, interpolations. And then, you know, having said that, the Upanishad also has some, um, uh, you know, it's, it's also contested for another reason because no one knows the length of the Upanishad. <laughs> yeah, that is why, you see, we have only done the first uh, lesson or the first chapter because that everybody agrees on what it contains. And then after that, you know, which are you know some some versions have only four chapters. Some version only has the first chapter, and that goes by another uh, uh, name, Maitreya Upanishad. Not to be confused with this, but really there are certain you know there are certain kinds of uh, things that are going on there which are similar. So some some versions only have the first chapter. Some versions have all seven chapters. Some version have five chapters, some versions have only four chapters. And then to make matters more interesting, along with the chapters, this Upanishad gives footnotes also called khila. Khila means footnotes or appendices. Yeah, it has a number of appendices. It, so this is something which is very, uh, you know, interesting because, you know, first you deal with you don't even know how many chapters and you don't know which of the chapters to study and which to leave. And then of those chapters, you don't know, you know, uh, whether to study the chapter um, along with the footnote or whether the footnote has its own, um, whether the appendix in, in a particular chapter has its own, uh, what should I say, independent standing because in fact, some of those appendices have an independent standing uh, because they quote from the Veda from certain hymns, like Utsayana hymn, which is part of the, I think, the fifth chapter, at the end of the fifth chapter. 
so this is again you know highly contested and very confusing but it makes for you know it 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 helps us to be alert and it helps us to not stray from the purpose of it and it helps us to be uh, you know vigilant and on track and so now you know in the space of this one month we do not have certainly do not have the time uh, to give attention to all the verses in all the chapters so we are going to study the first chapter which here is called lesson so just like in kathopanishad we don't have chapters we have what is called valli valli means different creepers so like this you know we have here the uh, the term prapathaka prapathaka means that which teaches very well so it's it's in other words a lesson so we have lesson 1 to lesson through lesson 7 and um, what we will do is we will get through lesson 1 and after that we will you know study uh, the gist of the other lessons so we get a some you know so that by the end the the hope is that by the end of the 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 number of classes allotted to this upanishad that we have some understanding of what its flair is how it unfolds the truth of the self and what all we can learn from it and how it sheds light on one's you know one's being and how it helps one to gain the knowledge okay so that is you know that is uh, enough i think for the introduction of this upanishad now let us look take a look at what it says okay so you can just repeat um om prathama prapathakah om brahma yajno va eshah yat purvesham jayanam tasmad yajamanah chitva etan agnin atmanam abhidhyayet sapurnah khaluva adva अविकलह संपद्यते यज्ञः कह सह अभिध्येयोयम यः प्राणाख्यः तस्य उपाख्यानम नाउ दिस इज आई होप यू हैव ऑल आई मीन इफ एनीबॉडी इज जॉइनिंग अस टुडे दैट वाज नॉट देयर बिफोर प्लीज डाउनलोड दिस उपनिषद फ्रॉम द करंट क्लास टेक्स्ट इट इज कॉल्ड maitri upanishad lesson 1 pdf okay i'm not able to see where it is here it should be there somewhere yeah uh, maitri upanishad lesson 1 pdf you scroll in the current class text pod and then you can download it if you haven't done so already okay so it starts in a very interesting way and you know the it start it's, it's the one thing about this upanishad it's it's very direct the student is very direct the teacher is very direct and the upanishad herself is very direct and because let us not forget that it occurs in the uh, brahmana portion 
in 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 the veda itself like the ishavasya upanishad is not at the end of the uh, shukla yajurveda it's right in the middle of the shukla yajurveda and similarly here this is right in the middle of the uh, maitri or maitra yani brahmana and uh, so therefore it is it is uh, you know the first uh, mantra or the first verse is a segue into what is going to come and so let us understand that the first mantra whose translation is you can read is is uh, you know is directed towards the samsari the person of you know the affairs of the world who is um, who is busy trying to collect things and trying to get rid of things including punya trying to collect punya trying to get rid of papa trying to go to heaven trying to go here go there trying to be you know what should i say an active bhokta an active consumer of the uh, rewards of samsara which we saw yesterday are ephemeral and finite so here is the person actively drinking the nectar of the samsara flower and and wanting more and more and more so that's why the person you know in the kathopanishad is called madhvadah the one who is a honey hog <laughs> on account of the person's um, you know penchant for avoiding the unpleasant and hankering after the pleasant yeah so this honey hog is the one who is addressed here so let's not forget that the previous you know the previous four chapters in the maitreya brahmana uh, the maitrayani brahmana were what were injunctions on how to um, uh, perform the agni hotra sacrifice on how to where to put the ghee and you know, not just agni hotra other sacrifices too where to put the ghee how to you know like the fire what mantras to say you know like om gangana pataye varavarada sarvajanam me vashamanaya swaha this is a very popular mantra for ganesha but really it means you know that uh, may this giver of the boons lord ganesha may he make the whole, all the people in the universe come under my spell <laughs> it's a, it's something perhaps hitler chanted <laughs> you know unfortunately or some version of it because it is asking for the impossible it's asking for a, a version of uh, you know dominating everybody in the world but really speaking you know it's also saying let everybody be nice to me let everybody's uh, grace be upon me let everyone uh, not be unfriendly towards me let nobody ignore me let everybody listen to me let me have a voice you know at best it is saying that so this is and this mantra is very popular because that's what we want we want people to love us we want it to be noticed we want everybody to come under our spell we should say sit and people should sit we should say stand and it should be done and we should say i want this and it should magically appear this is the desire for ishwaratvam ishwara hood but without knowing that the person is already ishwara the seeker is the sort really 
so so this is the these are the kinds of the mantras that have gone previously to this upanishad so the person who is hankering after these kinds of things is suddenly introduced to the upanishad you know with a kind of a shock value you know because the person has been under cardiac arrest for several lifetimes sleeping the sleep or dying the death of ignorance self ignorance and so the this mantra and starting with this mantra the maitra uh, maitri upanishad is like a is like a paddle that is applied directly to the heart and the heart that is been sleeping in ignorance trying to collect this and collect that trying to collect bits of happiness when it is sitting on a buried treasure buried under the ragadveshas of one's own making and so instead of waiting and putting the effort to uncover this treasure that is already there the person is hankering after bits and pieces of glory by repeating mantras for uh, you know for being noticed and being loved and being for ishwaratva for having the same status that ishvara has you know and uh, you know repeating this through finite mantras that give finite results so such a person is shocked into into coming back to seeing the fire sacrifice as a tool rather than as an end so the fire sacrifice is a tool for collecting you know collecting what emotional maturity not collecting pieces of happiness ah so the fire sacrifice is is not for is not an end it in itself the person is reminded that is the paddles that shocked this heart that has been in permanent cardiac arrest the person is dead to this self knowledge and so with this mantra the person is shocked into being revived into an alternative reality into at least considering the possibility that this you know yagya and all these yagyas that have been up till now in the maitri brahmana you know unfolded are not for the sake of gaining this that or the other is for the sake of purifying the antakarna so that one can look at the yagya as a preparation rather than as a end in itself so the the rewards of the yagya do not matter and the rewards do not matter because what matters is that you prepare for the knowledge that is going to come from this yagna where you know the person begging for ishwaratva is revealed as ishvara itself so this is a very important you know way and this is the flavor of the maitri upanishad which i really you know enjoy uh, and i enjoyed when i was reading this because it is it is um, you know it shows the uh that it doesn't you know mess with trying to sort of break things gently <laughs> none of the upanishads do that the upanishads are famous because they are you know very pithy short statements that 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 just you know go straight to the heart and so this one is no exception so well, let us look at the mantra with these words and what does it say it's a, it starts with om of course the the it's a mangala suchaka mangala suchaka means what it is a um, 
it is a uh, what is that uh, uh, auspicious you know it is a um, what is that called it's a suchaka means it's a uh, what's the meaning of the word suchaka a, a that which indicates yeah it indicates auspiciousness so you know so it is frequently put in the beginning and the end of the mantras so om which is for mangala and uh, you know later on the upanishad herself will unfold this om but for now it is mangala suchaka it is it shows a certain kind of a um, you know that that what we are about to begin may it you know may it be auspicious and in fact it is already auspicious so om yagnyaha va eshaha yat purvesham chaganam forget the word brahma forget the word brahman there yagnyaha va eshaha yat purvesham chaganam chaganam means the collection so the yagyas that were collected because <laughs> the yagyas themselves are a collection because there are uh, many 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 kinds of yagyas and there's a you know great collection of all kinds of yagyas and so the so what so these yagyas which are a collection of them a bouquet of fire sacrifices to serve the ragadveshas of the individual now why does the veda give the fire sacrifice to first you know appease the ragadveshas and then as it were tell no 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 this is not for that this is for emotional maturity because in the beginning before the person is even able to entertain the possibility of emotional maturity what happens the person is you know beset by desires person is nothing but a bunch of ragadveshas and if this floating bunch of ragadveshas that comes and sits you know is told that you know really these desires have to be managed and really these desires are transferences of the longing the the timeless longing that you have to know yourself the, the ragadveshas are going to this bunch of ragadveshas which is this person is going to get up and walk away so to keep the ragadveshas there in the form of this person the person is nothing but ragadvesha from head to toe and so to keep them sitting there you just feed the ragadveshas and a little bit you give them little bits of mantras like this ganapati mantra or you give them little fire sacrifices give them something to do because they are very restless there is no you know shamana there is no resolution of the mind there is no shanti even a relative shanti there is no contentment so this discontented fighting you know contentious bunch of ragadveshas cannot be taught about brahman straight away so they have to be kept uh, you know just like we appease the ghee little you know fire a little bit by giving a uh, ghee and then the flames start to rise similarly the fire ritual is given to the uh, to greet the rising ragadveshas to keep them appeased 
until such time that the person you know through fulfilling the desires understands that they cannot be fulfilled ah you let the person go for a for a bit you know go fulfill your desires no problem and then the person definitely comes back ah comes back where back to you know the question but these desires are unfulfillable i'm not able to fulfill them and even after fulfilling them they don't turn out right because i understand after fulfilling them that i did not want this oh what did you not want marriage oh that's a big thing yes unfortunately but in the beginning i thought everybody is getting married so why should i be left out so i too got married and then i realized i didn't i didn't want to get married at all you know and so like this we, the, you know the person's majority comes because that longing is so uh, you know deep that that somehow you know everybody is really wanting this and 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 the one who has as we shall see uh, some viveka and vairagya is led to this con- conclusion that what i have been seeking earlier is just confusing me further is just exacerbating the problem it is not making the problem you know less or it's not eliminating the problem which is making it worse and so this is like a shock you know this has a shock value of 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 the paddles applied directly to the heart that is painful and that is grieving it's a grieving and painful heart you know which has been sleeping in its grief and even though it's sleeping it's grieving it's sleeping because it is it is dead to the possibility that what it wants and what it seeks it already is and it is grieving and it is hopeless and so here what is told is purvesham you know in the past purvesham means in the past in the past what whatever was done chayanam this you know collection of yagnas this collection of yagnas and there is a little pun here because the each yagna is is a collection of what dravyas ingredients and everything everything has to be put flawlessly you have to have the sticks fire sticks you know all around the same size and these cannot be obtained by cutting the trees so you have to collect the fire that's why it's called collecting the firewood it's not going and cutting the firewood it's collecting the firewood that's already wood means twigs that have already naturally fallen as a result of so many things you know the 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 changes in the weather and the rain and the you know old age of the twigs and activities of the birds so all the things that are fallen so you have to go to the forest and comb the forest floor for the twigs and they have to be of a certain size and only from certain trees certain other trees are not allowed because even in the ancient times the endangered species of trees were recognized and the, those were not used for the yagna like bahula ashoka some things certain things were used and some of them were not used and again during certain seasons you could not use certain twigs so all this one had to be mindful 
and then you have to collect the twigs, you have to collect the ghee, you have to collect this, collect that and put all the dravyas together. So the jayanam here, the word jayanam, even though it means to collect, here it means the building of the fire sacrifices, you know, it's, it's a better uh, translation. So the building of the fire sacrifices, purvesham, by the people in the past, means by your ancestors. So why suddenly the ancestors have come into the picture? Ancestors have come into the picture because the person who is being addressed here is the person who is, who is following the way of the ancestors. And so if you ask the person, why are you spending so much time in Mahagadapati Homa and why are you doing this, you know? Then the person will say, that's because my grandmother did this, my grandfather did this, my great-grandmother did this, my great-grandfather did this, and they all fulfilled their desires for progeny, for, you know, excellence in job, for wealth, for dhanam, everything. And I also am doing the same thing only. So then the person is told, no, you are not doing the same thing. <laughs> Why? Either the, why did they do those sacrifices may not be the same reason you are doing the sacrifices quoting the fact that they did it Purvesham especially the exalted of your your most exalted ancestors so you can take it two ways your most exalted ancestors this person is addressed in this segue uh, verse you know or the, the exalted ancestors of all of us. Our collective ancestors and of those collective ancestors, those that stood out, how? In terms of emotional maturity, wisdom, viveka, vairagya, in terms of, you know, all kinds of, you know, ways. The ones who stood out, the ones that were exalted, did not do these yagnyas, these yagnyas, for the same reason that you are about to, you know, the person is caught, you know, with the ghee chamas. Chamas means a, 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 an ornamental spoon with which the ghee is offered. So the person is caught mid-offering, literally, you know, ghee-handed, not red-handed here, ghee-handed. And then this person is told what you think that you are just being very illustrious and following the line of your ancestors. But no, no, no. You are actually an idiot because you know you, you, you are not showing the same uh, maturity that the earlier ones showed, the exalted of the ancestors. We are not looking at mediocre ancestors. That's why we trace our lines to the rishis in India. We came from some rishi. You don't trace the light to some, you know, some mediocre person. So the most illustrious of those rishis who are our collective ancestors, they performed the yajna. Not for what? Not for the same reason that you are performing the yajna. Oh, really? So the person is called, caught ghee-handed right there and stops in between to listen to the rest of this Verse. So, uh, you know, so why did the Purvas, the earlier uh, rishis and ancestors, why and how did they do this yajna? 
they did this for the sake of Brahman. Now you can bring in this word Brahma. Brahma Chaganam. So they were not building the, the firewood in a particular pattern to be able to offer the ghee so that it lights up easily. They were not building that. They were building their emotional, you know, self in order to greet Brahma as the truth of their selves. They were building their internal infrastructure one twig at a time by reducing the Ragadveshas. They were building an inner yajna in which all the Ragadveshas were being consumed in order to qualify for knowing Brahman. So what you are doing, you don't say that they, they also did the same thing. They did not do the same thing. That's why their, their names stand out. Like Markandeya, you know, Kashyapa, Bharadvaja, all these are Rishi, Rishis, Vasishta, Vishwamitra, even all of them, you know, they they became, you know, big, they became exalted because they did not use the yajna as a tool of, you know, gaining satisfaction from the things in the world. They used the yajna as a tool of gaining, you know, emotional maturity and the requisite infrastructure so that they can qualify to know this Brahman as the truth of their selves. Brahman means that which is which is limitlessly big, huge, wonderful. And so this is what they wanted and this is what they came to you know find out. This is what they how they prepared themselves using this yajna, not like you just offering mindlessly ghee in order to milk something from this, you know, uh, from this uh, samsara cow, which is, you know, old and tired and which is not going to give milk. So you, you cannot, you know, you cannot do this. Wake up, you know, purvesham chayanam, smart. So therefore what? Kasmat means therefore. So therefore Yajamanaha, the current Yajamana, Yajamana means the one who is performing the Yajna, he or she, may this sacrificer, the one who is engaged in this fire ritual, what? Chitva Etan Agnin, having built up the fire, you know, fire pit, and having built up the you know, fire, fire uh, yajna, the sacrifice, you know, abhidhyayet atmanam. May you, having offered the fire, you know, ghee into the fire, instead of repeating mantras for, you know, gaining this or that, may you be what? May you be repeating the mantra, you know, what? May I know myself. Take the time to really think of not the mantra, but the repeater of the mantra. Focus on not the yajna, but the yajamana. The one who is the performer of the sacrifice. Don't focus on the little things, the omissions and commissions and where are the flowers and what has to be brought and why didn't you go to the market and why did, where is the naivedya, the offering, where is this, where is that. Don't go there. Oh, where should I go then? Go to the place where, you know, you don't 
look at the ingredients but you look at the performer itself focus on the nature of the i who am i what am i doing why am i keeping on doing yagyas from day to night and why am i constantly fatigued why am i tired why am i upset why am i frustrated and why does why am i addicted to the yagya and why am i you know growing more and more intolerant and impatient why is it that in spite of doing all these yagyas my desires always stand unfulfilled or partially fulfilled how come i don't feel contentment okay that's all right how come i don't you know i'm not contented is one thing how come i'm not okay with being uncontented why do i want self satisfaction what is it that i'm really seeking may the person contemplate upon the self may the person not continue to to be the kind of you know performer of the sacrifice which is you know which is uh, uh, done mindlessly for the sake of you know the uh, gaining certain ends so the yagna is here seen as a means to an end rather than an end in itself so the yagna is not the end what is the end the self if the self is the end atma is the end atmanam abhidhyayet you focus on that you know take the focus away from the building the fire sacrifices what is needed etc you focus on that the smart therefore what is this therefore what is the connection because the previous people the the most illustrious and the most exalted of the rishis who also engaged in fire sacrifice used it for a very different purpose than you mr yajamana of the, the 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 one that is being our mrs yajamana the one that is being currently addressed you are you know using it to get, get some small scraps from the universe and the ancients used it for you know scraping off scraping off all the ragadveshas from the from within themselves and if supposing someone were to say who was in the middle of pouring the ghee in the in the fire if supposing one were to say so what do i get out of this kya hoga so if i if i use this in this if this yagna is used in this particular way what will i gain what will be the gain so then that is described in the next in the latter portion of the mantra sahapurnah khaluva adva avikalpa avikalah sampadyate yagnah in this manner when the yagna is performed sahayagnah that yagna purnah khaluva adva avikalah sampadyate sampadyate means gains so that fire sacrifice gains something which the other fire sacrifice 
which is devoid of the contemplation on the sacrificer, on the nature of the sacrificer, so which is devoid of the pursuit of the nature of the sacrificer. In other words, Veda without Vedanta, you know, it doesn't, you know, it, it's an end in itself, but Veda for the sake of Vedanta, the second portion of the Veda, which is focused on the self, when that is kept in view, something different happens. What happens? The yajna gains something which the other yajna done for the sake of doing yajna did not have. What does the yajna gain? It, it becomes complete. All other yajna, this is a very big statement. Yeah, For all the karmatas, the people just who are, you know, caught up in doing. This is a huge statement and a wonderful opening to what we are about to imbibe. Because all other yajnas are fruitless and incomplete without them directing the performer to self-contemplation and to self-enquiry. Because the contemplation on who am I will definitely yield to enquiry because one understands I don't know who I am. I am confused. I am ignorant. This is very, very clear. So therefore what? So therefore, may the performer of the sacrifice, what? You know, be in tune with the fact that all other sacrifices that are done without this component of the focus on gaining emotional maturity, on focusing on the self, the all other yajnas are incomplete and filled with flaws and deficiencies. This is a very big thing because a yajna that is flawed does not give the results. So no wonder the person wanting to do this, that and wanting to gain wealth is not gaining wealth. Why? Because they are focused only on the wealth rather than the self. So the wealth also doesn't come. Self-knowledge also doesn't come neither here nor there. The person is stuck in between in between Veda and Vedanta and not being able to gain either. And so here is a caveat that if you do the yajna without the requisite contemplation on the self, without focusing on the pursuit of the self, without, in other words, Veda without Vedanta does not yield any results. The person will continue to be opposite of Purna, Apurna. Apurna means feel incomplete. And then Adva, Adva is, see, this is again, you know, a, this is really not a word because it's not there in the dictionary. It's not there. I tried various de definitions and also I, I made a mistake in, uh, in translating it here, um, transliterating it. You can cross out the, the D without the dot underneath. You can cross that out. It's only the D with a dot underneath it, Adva. Adva means here, it, it actually, the, the there is one meaning which means some kind of a cow, you know. So suddenly when we talk about fullness here, some cow is coming. <laughs> so perhaps the cow is here, a representation of the fullness that one feels. So I don't think it should be taken literally that one, you know, turns into a cow. That's not the idea. So one becomes cow-like because a cow is a, you know, if it is not interfered with, it's a symbol of humility, docility, contentment, 
and a certain you know a, a certain kind of a you know auspiciousness so i think we have to take that so sahapurnaha bhavet khalu va khalu means indeed va vai uh, indeed um, the person becomes uh, what the, the sacrifice itself becomes complete and then what and the sacrifice becomes you know useful like the cow because the cow is very useful so the sacrifice becomes complete the sacrifice becomes flawless the sacrifice becomes useful and then what and then the sacrifice also becomes avikalaha avikalaha means flawless vikala means there is all kinds of problems vikalanga the person who has problems with the limbs you know here it is avikalaha avikalaha means totally without any flaws so the person becomes flawless the sacrifice also becomes flawless and then what and uh, you know so this is what has to be has to be understood so uh, and then sampadyate means the the, the yagya the, the the fire sacrifice gains a, become shines with completion shines with flawlessness shines with purpose becomes meaningful becomes purposeful becomes flawless and free of all deficiencies and problems and as does the sacrificer because the word yagya you know has two meanings here because elsewhere it is said you know yagyo vai yajamanah the yagya is none other than the person who is sacrificer so the sacrificer and sacrifice are both addressed here by the term yagya so that yagya alone is both the sacrificer and the sacrifice so the sacrifice becomes pure the sacrifice becomes purified flawless and uh, you know purposeful and meaningful and therefore will yield the results and then what in the process the sacrificer also becomes flawless becomes complete becomes contented and gains the emotional maturity needed to pursue this knowledge kaha sah abhidhyayah ayam so how to contemplate on the self who is it to be contemplated on how to reach the self because the self is not an object it is the subject so how to reach this and the answer is through the prana you know start observing the breathing because it's very close to you it's intimate and so contemplate on what is this vayu which is outside and suddenly i take a deep breath and suddenly it becomes what part of me my lungs whatever i consider to be me it becomes me and then not me when i exhale and then it becomes me when i inhale what is this that's going on what's the connection between the air outside which is taken in and it's converted into prana that bathes the mitochondria with oxygen that 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 uh, you know um, purifies the blood that takes it to the brain so that i can have these thoughts that that you know invigorates this whole body and this body is this you know this body that is blessed with prana where do i stand am i part of the prana which is coming from outside or am i part of the body which is inside where is this i this is how one may contemplate and uh, you know this verse has 
many more things to talk about and uh, we will see tomorrow okay om purnamadas purnamidam purnat purnamudachyate purnasya purnamadaga purnamevavashishyate om shanti 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 hari om shri gurubhyo namaha hari om